Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with our newly minted relationship with Sate Corporate Training. After 18 months and hundreds of conversations with the leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers in our city, two things have become abundantly clear. The future of work has arrived, and it always has been all about the people. So whether you're an individual looking to upskill or an organization looking to reskill an entire division, SAIT has the team, the curriculum, and more importantly, the advisors to partner with you to build what you need to adapt for the road ahead. Do yourself a favor and take the time to learn a little bit more. Check them out at www.sate.ca slash corporate training. And more importantly, give them a call, have a consultation, and find out what SAIT can do for you. A warm collisions. YC, welcome to Miss Ali Canal. How are you, Ali? I'm fantastic. How are you doing, Tyler? I am great. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. We had, I don't even know how we met, but it's Alberta. You're calling in. For, you're in Edmonton. I'm in Calgary, yes. and we still, the small town of Alberta, still conspired. I don't even remember. I don't even know how we met. I think it was Jade, actually. Jade introduced us. Yeah, Jade introduced us, which is funny because I'm going to be talking with him tomorrow. Sorry. Oh, so I, well, so I, I'm, I, I liked. Well, this is a good warm up session. His, his, absolutely. Like, he's great. He always refers good guests, and I love what he, I love what he's doing. And I love our community, and I love how we kind of everybody swarms around to support each other. And absolutely, you're on the startup journey. Journey, so. It's all about community. <laughs> it, it's very much about community. <laughs> shaking hands and, you know, kissing babies, except Sh- for shaking babies, shaking, kiss, hands shaking babies and, and kissing hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like COVID time. So we're just doing greetings across. Yeah, yeah. Elbow, weird, el- weird, meetings. awkward yeah. elbow bumps and like almost <laughs> hugs. And then you feel weird like you're doing something wrong. Uh, yeah, you are exactly. the founder and CEO at Resume Free. So let's just mm-hmm. like, let's go right off the top. Tell us about Resume Free. So we are screening as a service tool that matches candidates with employers' requirements on over 200 data points, and not one of those data points comes from a resume. So we're literally taking the uh, skills-based hiring to the forefront and making sure that employers are gathering as much information as possible about the applicants that they're getting. So they can make data-informed or data-driven decisions on who the best candidate is. So hmm, that sounds refreshing. So in, in the world, <laughs> the, world of, the world of startups, and I've, I've looked at you, I've professional creeper. I'm on your LinkedIn right now, looking Wonderful. at your background of working in HR, working in recruiting and the yeah. concept of fall in love with a problem. So I'm assuming this is a direct response to you falling in love or probably being frustrated by the challenges. Cause anyone who's listening, yeah. it feels like a crapshoot. You put all these processes <laughs> in place, you get all these cool tools and you hire great people and you feel like a rock star and then you hire someone else who you think is a rock star and they're not, or, and vice versa. They think you're going to be the rock star place to work too. Like, let's be honest, this is a two-sided thing. So t- talked about like, what, what problem did you fall in love with that really needed to be solved here? So this wasn't from love. This was from hate. <laughs> I, I hate. I appreciate resumes. that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things I'm, I'm a broken recruiter. So I'm a professional recruiter. I'm a professional human resources Um. I'm sorry, a certified professional human resources. That's, it's important. It. That it's words important. Matter. Words yeah, matter. CPHR Alberta. Hello, hello. Um, from the like early 2000s, I was doing recruitment and understanding that people were never what they put on a resume. And that, that goes good and bad. It's not just, you know, oh, everybody lies on the resume. Well, it's actually... There's studies that have been done uh, that show there's 93% of people know somebody that have lied on a resume. And when they dug deeper into the questionnaire that they did, it actually turns out that 56% of people have lied or admitted to lying on their resume. I, I love the first one. Like, well, no, not everyone I know has lied on a resume. Like, it's a, that's a funny way to say, like, I know right? people that have lied on their resume. Have but you lied on your me? resume? Well, let's get a well, next, question. Next, question. next question. Yeah. So they actually talk about and, the, and the way that they got that. And what's my perception of my skill versus my real skill? And like, there, there, you know, I know lying sounds like it's black or white, but there's a lot of gray area in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, and so so one of the things that we've done as companies and organizations is, you know, everybody's been told to update your resume for what the job is, right? So you find the job posting and you kind of highlight the skills because you're not just, you know, 10 skills. You're not two pages of information. You're a wealth of information and experience and expertise. And now that we have the gig economy coming forward, there's going to be people that have their, you know, preferred profession, but then they have their passion profession, which, you know, case in point, Mr. Tyler, yeah. you know, you're, <laughs> you're I, I, I have a podcast. I have a podcast resume as well, which is weird, but exactly. as a business owner, I haven't, I haven't created a resume. It's funny. I, 
just had an opportunity to talk to a client this morning about a new opportunity. He didn't ask me for my resume. <laughs> like we, ta- we didn't talk about there that at go. all. So it's interesting when you, from service provider to vendor, you know, you're selling your, you're selling your services and your company service, especially as a service company all the time. But the concept of resume doesn't come up. It's interesting versus, you know, the weird different layers of it. <laughs> and, you know, when you talk about different types of recruiting, there's the um, network recruiting. So, you know, a friend of a friend of mine is looking for a job. Would you be interested in having a conversation with them? Well, right then and there, you're, asking for a resume is maybe one of the last steps that you do, right? So from from my perspective, a resume still has a purpose, but it's not a screening purpose. You still okay. need to understand the expertise. You still need to understand where they've worked before and you know what what kind of, of um, depth and breadth that they've got into, education, certifications, all of that stuff. That's important. I don't want to shy away from that because you still need the credentials to, to get into the job. I, I'm but, curious though for a second, is not... Where does LinkedIn play with that? Because I'm looking at you. I don't need your. I don't. I'm not going to ask you to send me your resume. I'm on your LinkedIn profile right now. That's true. Yeah. So but I'm just curious. Where, like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you can't see that I actually uh, I bartended, and you can't see that I've done babysitting, and you can't see that I've done mentoring and coaching. Um, I'm not sure even if some of my volunteer experience is up there. Okay. So like, there's there's pieces that I choose not to show. Okay. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm a horrible person. That just means that those are parts of me that aren't important, but I do have that experience. So, you know, I can count money and I can make a, I can pour a mean stellar artois. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that you, you learn, but you're not going to use it. You're thinking about the whole person concept. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And a resume just isn't whole. There's so many holes in it. (laughs) Ha ha. Um, sorry, no pun or play on words intended, but the big thing about it is that, you know, we're, when there isn't full information, that's when bias creeps in. And so I think you and I have had this conversation before where bias just plays a huge role when it comes to decision-making in recruitment specifically. And so- well, You sent me the cognitive bias codex, yeah. which I'm going to put a link in here to that because you sent me down a rabbit hole on that one. Like, Oh my gosh, right? Yeah, to think we don't have biases is in itself a bias. <laughs> exactly. And so we're battling 174 cognitive biases every day and in recruitment where that comes into play is that we're we're challenging you know we have to make quick decisions because we're inundated with so many different applications if you're a corporate recruiter or um you know staffing agency you're getting thousands of resumes a month you know maybe even a week depending on how high volume you are and then to go through all those applications and determine who's the best fit we have to make almost like splits second decisions on yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. I'm not saying that that's how fast people are doing it. And the six seconds looking at a resume thing has actually been proven to be false. So it's a little bit longer than six seconds, but they're not taking, you know, 10 minutes to really dive into everything that you've got. Cause we've only got a 40 hour work week, man. And so when we look at this, the bias comes in because we're, we're filling in the gaps of information, and so one of the things I do when I talk with, you know, job seekers or career search, like career coaching or whatever um, individuals are looking for, I say to them, don't let me make a decision. Don't let me assume as a recruiter that you do or do not have the skill set. And so most recently I was talking with a group of um, second career or transitioning into a second career okay. individuals. And they were like, well, you know, I took my schooling 30 years ago, but I have updated schooling for this profession, you know, 10 months ago. Should I include that? And I said, don't let me make a decision that you're going to be too expensive for me or that you're not willing to relocate or, 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 because that's, you know, a uh, pass fail, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to with recruitment. Will you do the job and can you do the job? And if you answer yes or no to any of those questions... Unfortunately, that's how you get filed, right? Well, isn't that, I heard someone the other day, and I was like, it was you. I've been talking to someone else about this from in a senior HR mm-hmm. perspective, and they said that the world of, you know, employee screening and resume screening kind of AI and, and automated tools have kind of let us down because it's it's just focused as, a, it's just a keyword keyword searching tool. And they said, well, it's actually created this broken model of what gets through might not even be close to the best quality or the best fit because it was only based on keywords and it's actually limited. It kind of gave us this promise of freedom and the ability to absorb that thousand resumes more effectively, but arguably it's kind of been a fail is what they, is what they said. And they were very opinionated about it. Absolutely. That sounds like my kind of person if it wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. When it comes to this type of, you know, technology is good and digital transformation does need to happen. 
in recruitment. I will put that out there a million times over. Whether or not that's my, you know, desire to put it out there or other people, I'm part of that movement. I want to be part of that movement. And I think that going forward with AI parsing of resumes, that's great, but we're just aligning it to the job description. And unfortunately, you know, job descriptions are very rarely written by copywriters. They're more often than not, you know, there's uh, some job description or job analysis profile that has been done and they take a lot of time to do. And when they're done correctly, it's you know, a ton of work. It's, it's a ton absolutely. Of work. And then all of a sudden it's outdated because they're all compiled and everything's done. And I, I really respect the work that people do when they are, you know, whether it's the recruiter themselves or the uh, HR partner, business partner that's doing the job descriptions, but taking that and translating that into the ideal candidate profile is a completely different thing. Because, you know, if you've got a multi-department company and you've got individuals that are hiring within two different teams, there's different dynamics in those teams based on the, the people that are there. So in one team, you know, they might have the energy that you and I do, where they're very boisterous. They're very, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And the other team, you know, they like to sit and think and, and analyze what needs to happen next and create a plan and, and things like that. So, you know, if you take one of those team members and switch them into different teams, they have the same job, but they're not going to be the best fit. Mm. Right. So what we, I, that can be so tricky as, as someone yeah. who's hiring, because that's the nuance, right? That's what is what makes us human. There's Absolutely. like the, can you, will, I love what you like, can you do the job? Cause yes, I'm capable, but will you, because you might not just be the wrong fit and doesn't, and not the right fit, but doesn't mean you're wrong. Like that's a, it's a tricky balance. Exactly. And even then like fit is not the definitive, um, hundred percent hires all the time. Right. However, going back into the hires that we've done, we have 44 out of 46 have stayed in the role, which, you know, I think we're at six months now with our most recent. Uh, So with that being said, that's a 96% success rate. And typically speaking, it's about 40% success rate within the the first six months. I appreciate that. I think anyone who's done any degree of hiring. I'm curious, with your process, we'll get into a little bit of how that works and how it's different. Just I appreciate the concept. And I love like, yes, when when I I asked the problem, you were like, let me tell you what's broken. Um, Mm -hmm. For that, to get to your 96% average versus your 40%, was it a significant amount of more investment of time up front by both parties? Or was it just different time invested? Different time invested. So rather than saying like, what do they need to have as the ideal person? We say, what does your ideal candidate look like? So we're still doing the interview process with the hiring managers and, you know, having that human touch, because I think that's important as well. You, You will never lose the recruiters. Recruiters' jobs are safe. However, we can make it faster if we do, you know, ask the right questions and get the right information upfront from the candidate so that it's better spent at the back end. It's kind of so, the old as you're going to spend the time as where do you spend it? <laughs> yeah. So getting to understand, you know, what, what that ideal candidate looks like and having the conversations about, you know, what have been some of the best traits that the individuals have, that have been in this role before, or if we're creating a new position, which we've done a few times now, we ask, you know, how do you need somebody to communicate with you as the their direct manager or as a shareholder in, in what work they're going to be doing. And so we can actually go down and have these like intimate conversations about exactly what somebody needs to do, like how they prefer to communicate, how they've solved their problems, what work environment they're comfortable with, um, how well they take feedback, how well they're able to get into a conflict and then get out of it again. And so we can dive really deep into the nuances of the world of work. And then when we come up with that ideal candidate profile, we have that and we can run it against our database. And so... So that's where... I love what I'm hearing here. This is not, oh, technology will solve all your problems. It's like, no, there's no. a different approach to the inputs. Then we used, then we set technology up to actually leverage and be more successful because we filter differently from the start. So it just feels like a nice balance. This is, oh, technology is going to remove people from the equation. No, it just changes what people do and then allows it to scale because yeah. technology then can then process way faster than you and I can. Mm. And so the big thing about that is that decisions still need to be happening based on humans. Like we should not let, you know, machines take over the world. Not that they will. This is not Skynet. However, you know, don't take for granted that, you know, my system is 100% correct because we've proven it's not. It's not 100% correct. However, we no, have but a you did say it, was, it is 96% correct, just in case anyone's like <laughs> making notes. <laughs> Those playing along at the home game. Um, <laughs> but with that, you know, we've we've still had 
challenges with it. And did we get candidates out the first time around? No, not necessarily. So one of the distinctions that we're we're doing right now with Resume Free is that we're not a sourcing company. We're not going to go out there and source those, you know, they call them purple squirrels in recruitment because it's, you know, they don't exist. I've never, okay, I call I've them, never heard, that's your, that's your version no. of unicorn? That's, I've never heard of purple squirrel. So I changed it to purple unicorn because unicorns are those mythological creatures that don't exist in the world, number one. And they're also purple, which is a non-normal animal color. Yes, <laughs> Unless not a color that occurs in nature, like not outside of exactly, plants. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe exactly. the odd bird who puts on a good display for mating purposes. <laughs> yeah. So we're not unicorn hunters. We're not going out there to, okay. you know, that wrangle. joke comes up all the time when you're looking for something. Like my team will give me even a job description. I'm like, oh, yet another unicorn that we're looking for. And it, it comes up all the time. <laughs> and so that's the thing where, you know, think back to your first job. Were you that unicorn? Probably not. You were probably the stable kid, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, going in there, helping the unicorns out. I think there needs to be a recognition that, yes, there are certain roles that you do need to hire in with that level of expertise and that depth of, of leadership and, you know, but those roles are going to be the higher level roles. If you're looking to add somebody onto your team, you want somebody to learn. You want to be able to, to find that person that can learn on the job and come with a little bit of the skill set, but there should be that stretch, like a 30% stretch goal. And that's where that, the traits, the personality, the profile of the individual and the work environment that they're going to be in, those two have to line up to be able to allow that to happen. Absolutely. Okay. So w- one of the other things that we say, like we're not sorcerers and we cannot determine if somebody's going to be nice or not. Like <laughs> I can't determine if someone's going to be an asshole or not. That's just, that doesn't come but, out. But That's back why to, that- there's, I'm assuming this, this, none of this replaces the interview process. None of this exactly. places with actually meeting with, with real people. So typically who, who's the ideal, you know, put on my marketing hat. So who is mm. your target customer? Is it small companies, medium size, large enterprise? Like, cause companies that just have a churn of, of recruiting going all the time. And there are smaller companies like us. When you need that one person, when you're 25 or 30 period, that one person is still a big percentage. Like it can really move the needle in your company Absolutely. and it's equally as important, but you also don't have the time to hire properly. And it's all the stories we all know when, when it comes yes. to recruiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're targeting large growth companies. And so by that, that means that it could be adding 20%, but 20%, you know, for a 10 person company is two people, yeah. right? Oh, okay, so, fair enough. Um, but what we're, we're working with right now is typically our ideal candidate are the scale-up technology companies in Alberta because that's our niche. We know okay. we're very familiar with those folks that are grinding just as hard as we are. Uh, typically, these individuals have obligations to not only their team, but their shareholders. So if they're you know VC-backed or anything like that, they're, they're going to be more pressure to hire the best people for their job. Typically speaking, though, too, when they're adding depth into their organization, like making it rather than a flat organization, they're adding in the layers. Yeah. It's now we're creating new frontline folk. And when those frontline individuals come on board, they're going to have a different skill set than those that were there beforehand because, again, start up many hats. And now you're just focusing on the frontline um, specialist, if you will, people that only specialize in that one area and might have a different skill set that could add in later on. Okay, interesting. And how is that in terms of activity, maybe pivoting the conversation a little bit to the the tech startup scene in Alberta? So you see a Mm. huge need there, you understand it, you really know that market and you know their pains. Like, I guess, curious, are you like, it's Alberta wide for you? And again, you're based Mm -hmm. based in Edmonton. Any perspective, like, are you getting, are you working with companies in Calgary, like everywhere? Like, what's the geography and like, who are you talking to? Yeah, so we're talking with, um, so, okay, I'm going to back it up. And I got this printout from, so we have a YEG startup Slack channel. I'm not sure okay. if YYC has a startup. I'm not sure channel, if they do, actually. I'm not, yeah. You should probably do that because it no, no, is a he, great place for everybody to just kind of mingle without actually mingling with social distancing. Yeah, of, of course. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Check. Um, yeah, crazy, days, but, crazy days we live in. <laughs> absolutely. Um, there was a, um, a PDF that was created that had the logos of all of the different Alberta tech companies. And I think it was from Startup Alberta that they were able to gather all the information. And so my weekend hobby, I actually printed this out, which took way too much paper, but I'm a very visual person. So I needed to like spread it out. And I ended up with this printout that I kind of like Frankenstein together of, you know, it was at least 15 feet long. And so it started with like the one to four employees, the five to 99 employees, 
you know, 100 to I think it was 599. And they had the logos of all of the different companies. And so those those are the people. Those are my people. Those are the ones that I'm going to be helping. Oh, that's very cool. I'd like, well, we'll chat after. I'd like to see that. I'd love to see that document. That's yeah. really interesting to kind of give you like, oh, the community's this, community's that. That kind of puts it in perspective. And I, I like a good visual as well. I like, I like a good wall mural like, like the next person. <laughs> I just don't have any walls to put it up on. Everything's yeah. covered. Um, but looking at it, it was just, it was interesting because Calgary was basically like filled all the way across where Edmonton kind of stopped 75% of the way through or 30% of the way through. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, but those are the individuals that we want to work with because number one, we understand the tech Alberta scene. Mm -hmm. So not only is resume free a tech startup, but prior to that, we were working, uh, I was working with my other company that helped with outsourced talent solutions. And so our focus was innovators and we were able to integrate into the scene with the innovators. Okay. And, so this is a comfortable, this is your space. Okay. I got yeah. It. yeah so I got this it. is my jam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, there's, there's distinct um, areas that you need to understand when it comes to supporting growing companies. And so some of the companies that we're working with, you know, they're software developers. We're also working with people that are um, staffing agencies. So they have, you know, they have a call for candidates, so we need to support them. And so we help with our system into our database. We get more candidates and send them to them as well. So it's it's not just the helping build great teams and great companies from building great teams, but also helping staffing agencies that are helping other large employers in Alberta okay. gain the best people. So, so from understanding your platform, it's very scalable where, Absolutely. you know, from, I do appreciate like, who's your customer, like really picking the niche you've really picked and identified that tech startup ecosystem, but this is a scalable platform that can have benefit across the board. Cause this is broken at all levels from a 20 person, <laughs> from a four person company to a 4,000 person company. Absolutely. There's the, the, they, they bend under the weight of recruiting. Cause it's either you have too many candidates, you don't have enough, you have a need, you can't fill it. Like it's just, it's, it never feels like it's a balanced market. It always feels like it's off balance in some way. Absolutely. So some of our clients have been, like I said, software developers, um, machine learning folks or companies. We've been working with staffing agencies, um, accounting firms, lawyer firms, uh, construction firms. We've okay. got so product service. Like yeah, really the full product service, full professional services kind of kind of area. So we excel when it comes to helping those corporate service roles. So again, like the frontline roles, as well as the you know administrative assistant, uh, accounting. IT analysts, software developers. We've like got those a pretty clear profile of like, here's the what, exactly. and then now we can focus on the fit and the like, what type of environment this is, and where you know who you are as an individual. To, yeah, because that's what that's what leads to that ninety six percent. Exactly. A super smart so, person can do the job who doesn't feel like they fit in. That doesn't work. And they can, you know, like you can lose really good people because of lack of fit. As, as, as amorphous as fit is when you say it, oh yeah, fit. Yeah, we all know what fit is. It's like, it's like oh yeah, it's cool. It's, is it cool? I don't know. What does that even mean? Yeah. It's very different in every different environment. Every, so I'm curious, what's your, with, company. with your background, how mm -hmm. was it coming in to solve a problem? Like you're not a coder. You're not a full stack developer. I think yeah, that's, you know, not, I'm not trying to be, <laughs> Not trying to take it away, but you mentioned earlier that technology is not your favorite thing, and you and I are similar. Like, I love it when it works. I can go one level deeper, and then I'm going to call somebody. Um, yeah. How was it building a tech? Like, oh, here, like two, 17 questions at once. Um, yeah. Ag tech, fintech, biotech. Is there HR tech? Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you decide to go in, you know, from going the old-fashioned way of being a recruiter and helping find the right people for the right roles and to create a technology startup. How was that for you to be like kind of build the tech behind the scenes? Like, did you have to find partners? And just curious, because a lot of people, a lot of us out there, I think go, wow, I wish I could fix that, but I just don't have enough tech. I don't understand the technology. I don't know how to even go after this problem that I really understand well, but I don't understand the technology to fix it. Okay, so to answer your 17 questions. <laughs> Sorry, I, that was a big no, one. Oh, I'll get so many ideas. <laughs> I happily identify as a non-tech tech founder, and I think that that needs to be something that more people do in our space, just because it's it's not a, about having the skill set to solve the problem. It's about wanting to solve that problem. Fall and like I said, fall in love with the problem. And mine is actually like, I hate this so much. I need to create the solution <laughs> yes, for it. Man. Um, and away so, from towards you move towards is love, but away hate is pretty powerful as well. In media, that one will almost get more attention. The the, the thing that you want to get away from is like because we all it triggers the fear and in, instinct. Like I must. And get that's away just from it. This. That was my trigger. Like I can't. How do I make this better? And how do I get rid of resume? So I came up with part of the solution. So I had something already created, and then back in 
oh gosh, it must have been like six years ago. I'm like, well, maybe if I just go and learn some coding. So um, startup Evan. Oh, nice. So you did, you did, you did kind of like stick your toe down. Okay, right on. Yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit of coding. <laughs> Um, so what I did was I, I went to Ladies Learning Code, which was, you know, I think it was like free, free coding day and I went to go learn and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I literally only took one day of coding and it was four hours and learned how to do Hello World and created some basic Python, um, you know, like writing and, and running my first tests and things like that. And it was great, but the learning there was I am not a coder. And so from there, I thought, okay, so how do I do this if I'm not going to be able to learn it? Because I pride myself on being able to pick up on things pretty darn quick. However, coding is one of those things that it's a, you know, you need to spend many, many, many years in order to to do it well and understand the outcomes and have the patience. And I like to move fast and patience is not my virtue. So I (laughs) went and I thought, okay, let's create the the idea of what you want to see at the end. And so my idea for the end goal of what Resume Free will be is kind of like eHarmony for employers and candidates where, you know, you're looking for people and here's how you match on 200 points and there it is. That might actually change with how we move out with our MVP. So that's understanding that the end goal might be different down the road. That's important. Um, but what I did was I... I came up with the idea and I thought, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it, pull the pin. And I went and incorporated. And then from there, I was lucky enough to be referred to ATB. Um, they have an entrepreneur center in Edmonton and I believe they have one in Calgary as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things I did was I went and I talked with one of those um, entrepreneur advisors and she was like, well, why don't you talk to these folks? And it was just like this kind of like snowball effect where talk to these folks, talk to these folks. And I went to Tech Edmonton, which is kind of like our hub for all things that are coming out of the UOA and then going into uh, greater build. Mm-hmm. And at Tech Edmonton, they had a brief conversation with me, and then I got what I called the million-dollar email. And I say million-dollar email because I had a list of uh, probably 20 different items and Kathleen Norman, if you're listening, thank you so much for that. She's no longer with Tech Edmonton, but she she basically hyperlinked in all these different areas that I could connect to. Rainforest Alberta was one of them. And so connecting with like-minded innovators and, and supporting in the ecosystem and just kind of going from there. And so one of the things that was like, hey, you're not a coder. Here's some people that you can talk to about coding. And then I was like, oh, duh. I could take my idea and go and pitch it to certain software developers and say, hey, what about this? So I haven't told many people about this, but one of the first people I went to, a developer, was like, this is a great idea. I'll offer you like millions of dollars to walk away from this right now. And I said, wow, that's an interesting moment. Yeah, I said no. So I'm really foolish on that. Um, (laughs) But basically it was like, here's, you know, a few million dollars, you know, this is an idea, we'll help you build it, da 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 and I walked away. So this is me admitting that I might have made a mistake, <laughs> however. Oh, I appreciate that you shared that. That's like, yeah. some, that's interesting. Wow. So going into, I had other conversations with other people as well, other software developers, you know, um, individuals that had previous experience and it was just kind of like one man show or one person show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the... <laughs> The proposals ran anywhere from like tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, and I kind of went smack dab in the middle, and I went with a developer that um, I had actually done some iterations with before and been called into, sorry, not iterations, ideations, okay. uh, and been called into ideation sessions, and so I got a really good vibe from them from those types of things, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go there, and so... I've been having my development work being done by DeFacto, which is based in Edmonton, but they have Calgary and Toronto offices as well. Yeah, I uh, we actually had them as a client uh, like many, many years ago. And uh, Lucas Shearer, who used to be there, I knew. Yeah. Well. So yeah, and then Lucas went to AltML, and now I think he's at Neo Financial. So I anyway, a super small world. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lucas. And, yeah, a super small world. But okay, yeah, I, I, I know of DeFacto. Of course, it's Calgary. It's so incestuous. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Okay, Once so you partner with you partner with DeFacto, yeah, 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 and and so the greatest thing about that is, you know, you don't need to have the coding; you just need to be able to to understand, like, here's my idea, and how do you express your idea clearly enough that somebody can be like, okay, I get it, and I've got, you know, my 
I've got these purple sheets of construction paper, which are my wireframe, which, you know, if you can draw out what you'd like it to be, then that is something that they can run with. Obviously, there's going to be testing and background stuff and things like that, but just stick with the idea and, and go from there. The other thing, though, is you need to have money to get the developers ongoing. Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna ask the funding question because developers don't work for free or don't work for magic beans mm-hmm. at the end of the rainbow. Like when you're when you're dealing with a company and and kind of you don't want it to be free. You want someone who's there goes who's a professional and can do the thing. So how was the funding route? Like what did that look like for you? Friends and family, bootstrap, all of bootstrap, <laughs> friends and family, and I did get some support through AWE and through Futurepreneur okay. because okay. I'm still under forty. Um, holding on. <laughs> um, but I blew from, by that blew by that milestone a while ago, so no comments yeah. from me. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things, though, um, is that those those fundings didn't pay for the development. What they did was they paid for the operations, and so okay. I could em- employ people to be on my team, and they got paid through that. So then, any time that I was bootstrapping was basically to pay for the um, the payments of the. We'll work for we'll work yeah. for dev. Yeah, I got it. We'll work exactly. for coding. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so um de facto has been very gracious and they've been amazing to to work with and they've helped us create some really um, important changes that we needed to go to go through. And so when we need to do a change, it's it's something that happens very quickly. And so we're now looking to do our next step beyond the MVP and, and create a little bit more uh, user friendly work okay. or or process um or i guess i should say less friction in the process so we're we're excited to be partnering with them uh again and we actually get some support from alberta innovates with this time round so okay it, excellent so you've been able to tap into the eco the, like the, the environment absolutely. that actually is there to support you that's that's fantastic absolutely curious um, so would you say from a product market fit uh, which is the infamous you know i love how popular that statement is these days still work in progress like you said it sounds like there's going to be some revisions to remove Franklin. have you got the right fit in your mind and it's now just how do we make it better or easier to your point people are still using our process so yes this is a tool that's needed i think we need to refine it to be something that is faster easier to understand yeah. and easier to use because a lot of people still think like, well, you're going to go find me somebody. Well, no, we're not going to find you somebody. We're going to help with ever the post and pray that you do. We're going to filter those candidates into the top. So we can't necessarily. Okay, so that's really good to quantify that. Cause I think you're right. Yeah. Immediately. It's so easy to put you into the bucket of, Oh, you're a recruiter because that's what I know. And that's what I've used before. Yeah. So how much of that, like how much do you have to say, well, actually let me stop. Let me retell that story. So is that almost a problem is that it's so easy to get thrown into the bucket because that's the bucket we all are used to. Yeah, and even you know having conversations with uh, VCs in the in the space, they're like, "So what are you? We're HR tech, like we're recruitment tech. What we do is screening as a service. So yes, we will post to help em- employers out. However, we're not going to be doing the interviews. We're not going to say, you know, here's the best candidate based on you know this person's eyebrows or whatever. Like we we will just do the data screening, send them the top list, and then there you go. The interviews, the hiring, the onboarding, that's all them. So, okay, so I appreciate that there's a, there's a, obviously there's endless tools out there to post a job. Totally. There's endless, you know, strategies and like a lot of companies have big HR departments where they have an interview process and they have all that. So mm-hmm. you identified that gap in between of trying to take this thousand resumes and screen it to 10 in the most effective way possible so that those 10 resumes, the biggest problem is like, oh wow, like eight of these people could be the good candidate, like kind of thing. So it's really that quality kind of sieve or filter if yeah. in, the, in, in the middle piece. Okay, thank you. Because I was I'm, I was unpacking it as you were talking and slowly going, okay, not this, not that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on this journey, but really getting a clear understanding of going, that's the, so it's taking the thousand to the 10 and then running it through the process that most organizations already have, which is how to vet and check references and do all the traditional stuff. But so, now you're doing it with the best the best opportunities for success. Exactly. So we're taking the most oh, time intensive God. piece of recruitment, which is sorting through all the applications, quantifying them, and then creating a top 20 list, if you will, for those okay. individuals. And then we send the data just like it is, anonymized, because that's important too. Like you shouldn't be doing... I love what you said about kind of removing, like unbaking the bias. Mm-hmm. Yes, Absolutely. The bias needs to disappear. And so if we can remove the bias from the screening process, knowing full well that there's going to be other bias that comes in through the interview process, et cetera, et cetera, we've done our part in saying that, here we go, these are the best candidates based on the data that you requested. 
How much is that a factor today as companies really look and, and need to be held accountable? And some of them are holding themselves accountable, if not the world and social media is doing it for mm -hmm. them. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, like a lot of those factors that ever, like we say that's important, but what are we doing to actually make sure that we're actually walking that talk? <laughs> there is, yeah, uh, we could go on this one. This might be a whole other session. On okay, well, because we'll, 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 we'll do the quick version, but yeah, absolutely. I'm not against so, the second episode. You, or you and I just chat because <laughs> it seems to be a good, good kind of vibe here. Yeah, I... I myself lose sleep at night because I've turned people down based on some some very um, biased decisions on my own. So I recognize that I'm a biased individual and I have to change that. And so from that piece, I'm looking at, you know, equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Like we cannot really help with the belonging piece. And from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, it, it's both the short road, like a short fix and a long road at the same time. So the short fix is how can you implement changes today that will make a difference in how you recruit people, how you recruit managers, how you um, put people into roles and things like that? Because we need to make sure that, you know, it, it's already at a lesser point. We're, we're not having as much diversity as we could. So we have to make changes immediately, which means that the best people for the role, we need to choose for, you know, making sure that there's some sort of um, uh, supporting of marginalized individuals or people that are not um, in those higher level positions. Like we need to correct what's happened. Period. Yes, yeah. We we do have a a change with that is a higher order of magnitude. Like this is clearly broken. We've admitted it's broken. How it's not how okay we're going to change. It's how quick can we change it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. However, the last thing we want to do is tokenism, where we push people into roles that you know. Then we're not only almost crushing the inclusivity, but we're crushing the belonging piece as well. So what we need to do is be be very focused on how we do that as well. The long play game, that's where Resume Free comes into play. That's where we can say these decisions were based on the best people and here's how. And then the best people for the job, all of a sudden it's not because somebody was advanced before or you know they knew somebody, knew somebody, so they got advanced prior to that. Here's the, here's the ranking of everybody. Here we go. What we need to recognize, though, is that even though you and I may have had the same you know, Bachelor of Commerce background, maybe I got a 2.0 and you got a 3.9, you know, like, does it matter what happens there? Um, you know, does a person that had the opportunity to do extracurricular activities deserve more uh, leadership roles because they sh they've proven, well, maybe there was a, an economic or socioeconomic reason for that in the background. So I think there's a lot of things that we just kind of glaze over when it comes to choosing the best people because of what they've done in the past, not with the potential that they have. And, and that's where the difference is, is like, we cannot always base it on the, the, the people get these roles based on their experience or their expertise, because experience does not equal expertise ever, right? Like you and I understand that implicitly. What I think that needs to happen is people need to understand that expertise can come quickly or it could come in a longer time. You know, it just depends on the individual and every individual is different. So again, coming back to that diversity piece, like just because people have the same education, the same, you know, role in a, in an organization, like you and I both know shitty workers that we work next to, right? Like they didn't cut it and they still had the same title. So you can't choose somebody based on title alone. You can't choose somebody based on education alone. And that is, is how faltered or, or like just messed up our recruitment processes because we've we've done experiential experiential i'm not quite sure i've had two cups of coffee we've done experience-based hiring okay. um I, got it. and it needs to shift to skills-based hiring can they do the job is how we've done it before will they do the job is how we need to do it now and that comes from skills-based that comes from understanding gig economy comes into play. That comes from understanding that people's different backgrounds adds in a level of diversity to those hires. And so I think we need to do better because now we know we need to do better. And yeah, we can't, we, we've, once you take the blue pill, it's hard to go back or the red, right. pill, or whichever color pill it was. <laughs> and so from that perspective, again, like I said, it's a short play, like things need to happen and change now, but the long play is we need to, make sure that we're being more inclusive in our hiring. And, and even like, I want to have resume free go through a complete 
um, you know, diversity, um, what do they call it? Assessment. So okay. I've contacted the CCDI to to ask, you know, what would that take for them to to help us with understanding if we are offering a very unbiased product? Because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm saying this right, and I want to make sure that we're not be, being exclusionary unknowingly. And that's a challenge when you talk about a lot of the world of AI machine learning and how many biases are baked into the data sets that we're using and who programmed them. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but mm-hmm. there's so much of like, oh, it's great. This is all going to be better. But what are we, we're pulling our own biases forward. And, you know, uh, you know, GTP3, natural language processor, it's learned on the entirety of the internet. That's a scary concept. Like, it's a really neat <laughs> thing. You're like, oh, this thing can generate its own content. It can think for itself based on what it's learned off the internet. I don't know, man. I've gone down some rabbit holes in the internet and I really want to unlearn and unsee what I saw. But that's another, <laughs> that's another right? podcast. So, but we've got to think about that cognitively and be very deliberate about it. And I love mm-hmm. what you're talking about, about building a system that actually works around that versus some of the fears you hear around big data where by using that data, you're actually baking in these biases that you didn't even know were in there because of that data set and how it was created and how it was filtered by who set up the filtering. Exactly. Sorry, we're we're way down a whole rabbit hole over here. (laughs) That's okay. But I think, you know, it's it's time. Organizations have to do better. And I think there's a willingness and I think that, you know... uh, to me as a marketer, like I'm hearing such a real, such a unique value proposition to what you're talking about. Like, yes, we all know the pain and we all know the frustration. We all know the, the, the cost and expense and just the burden on the candidate and the organization with the wrong hire. Mm-hmm. But when we bring this other thing to the table around, you know, how do we admit that as humans, we have our own biases. Like, and to think, no, I have none. Like I look at everything like with open, like that's just not true. It's actually, I don't think it's, I don't even know if it's even possible to the way our brains work, the way we thin, thin slice things and all that. But to have a platform like yours that goes, no, we're going to set you up almost like a blind, like the old, you know, pick your date, who's born door number two <laughs> kind of mindset where you can't see and you can hear and you can ask questions. Like it's an interesting filtering for companies that are like, no, we're, we need to make it different and we want to use technology to ensure that we do not have technology actually make us make a misstep and we don't even realize because we trusted we trusted it blindly. And there's, you know, there's some great technology out there already, but people need to understand, okay, how are they asking questions and how are they quantifying those answers? Because there's there's companies that say, oh, well, we'll ask questions on skill set. And so they'll say, you know, what about this? You know, how good are you at making purple widgets? And people go, I'm the best at making purple widgets. We have to understand that people inherently try to make themselves the hero of their own stories, period. <laughs> Everybody's a hero in their own world. And that's fine. And even like we recently, we had people lie on their applications. Now, I'm not saying it was through our assessment because our assessment actually has a built-in bullshit meter. Or Very important. Yeah, Very deception important algorithm. Tool. Yeah. yeah so deception. It, I, I do like bullshit meter though. Thank you. I know. Um, so when people get through it, like this is who they are as an individual. This is what they prefer to do. They're not lying about it because we can show you with, you know, percentage of reliability. However, when we ask them on the pre-screen, like how many years of experience do you have with this? How many years of experience do you have with this? What kind of coding languages? What kind of spoken languages? What professional languages? People can lie on those questions presently. So we cannot determine whether or not there's truthfulness to it. We're hoping that people are truthful, but what's happened now is that we we always check in with our hiring managers. How's it going? And our hiring managers are saying, oh, well, these two people lied. They told me that they had experience and they didn't. And we go, okay, great. We're going to exclude these two individuals from our entire database now because they've lied. We can tell. So is it worth it to lie during an application process if you get removed from whatever other future opportunities would happen, right? So it's, I'd love to see the candidates tell the truth. It's just, we, we are the heroes of our own stories. And hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one for the team on companies. Sometimes we represent what we think the job is like and what we think mm-hmm. the work environment is going to be like as well. So there is, like, I just want to make sure there's always accountability on both sides. You know, I, I, I learned long ago about 
this is a 50 50. I've got to really be mm. forthcoming with what the job is and what the job isn't and not like, I think maybe in my early years I would oversell the role a little bit. Oh, it's this, it's going to be amazing. And it wasn't that like that's equally as, as unfair or sets us, you know, anything that sets up the relationship to not be successful should be removed from the table. So, uh, you know, just throwing, just throwing that out there, being a little, again, Absolutely. transparent, vulnerable moment. I'll almost go the other way and go, Oh, it might not be like this. And you might have to do that. And I don't know if you like that to try to make sure I'm being as like almost overtly honest about it. If I'm in that, if in, in those conversations. I would always coach my hiring managers to to tell me what's the crappiest thing about this job? Like what is the one thing <laughs> it's that's gonna drive people, you nuts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and they, you know, kind of, oh my gosh, why would we be telling people about the bad stuff? And I said, it's it's as much their decision as it is yours. You know, people have to accept the offer. And so if you're lying to the candidate about the good and it's just sunshine and rainbows all the time, that's horrible because there's going to be bad days. Nothing nothing in nowhere is sunshine and rainbows. Exactly. Um, So don't leave it up to the candidates to say, what's the most difficult problem I'll solve? Like that's, sorry, no bueno, not good. Yeah. So when you're looking at your offering and you're talking to, like, let's talk about the mid-size and larger organizations. If if they're setting there, like, what's our main objective for hiring this year? Is it, we need to do it faster with less friction? We need to get better candidates? I'm just curious, when you think of large companies that are just like high, high volume of, of recruiting and lots of, ter- maybe not necessarily turnover, maybe just growth. We'll say it's growth. Um, what, what do they value the most? Are they really going, yeah, no, no, we need to take the extra steps to make the best candidates? Or are they looking, like so many times people look at technology and go, oh, great, it's going to be cheaper and faster. You're like, no, actually it might take just as long, but the outcome might be better. I'm just curious from your understanding as you're meeting, as you're meeting companies, and maybe this is a lesson for companies too, technology mm-hmm. isn't just there to make things fast and cheap. It also is to improve the outcomes you get, whatever that might be. So just curious in your kind of like, you know, armchair research of out there talking to people, is there a gap there or are people like, are they, do they get it? Do they they get that they need to have better outcomes. It isn't just about like make it cheaper, make it faster. It's two schools of thought. basically what you just said, you know, cheaper, faster. There's, there's that we don't have enough time and better outcome are the two major things that okay, we can focus okay. on. Okay. So those are the, okay. That was my so, own view of what the two schools Yeah, No, perfect. Great. You're hired. Um, <laughs> from, from a percentage, uh, perspective, sorry, of, you know, cheaper and faster. So we are typically cheaper than most other software as a service, screening as a service, because we are still making sure that we have that perfect product market fit. It's never going to be perfect. However, we are offering it at a ridiculously low price right now. Um, From that perspective, the reason why I say it's a low price is because we can actually do screening hundreds of, of candidates in as little as 10 days. And so that means that we can take all of your applications, job posting, you know, everybody goes through our system, comes back out the other end with a metric that you can use to quantify whether or not they're going to be great candidates. So from, whether they make that top 20 list. Exactly. So from there, really what it comes down to is the, the recruiter or the hiring manager just needs to make a decision on these top individuals that they want to have for interview. And we usually say, you know, here, choose five. Five interviews are pretty much you're going to get a good mix of people. And so from there, we're, we're taking, you know, thinking from a recruiting perspective, we, we talked with a high volume software developer, uh, software company recruiter, and she said she did four hours, 100 applications reviewed. So she's a high volume recruiter. She's got the same background as I do. She has the same, you know, intensity when it comes to looking for individuals. Four hours for 100, and she's probably getting... 1800 a week. That's just screening resumes. That's not interviewing. That's not actioning. That's not, you know, moving forward with any new requisitions or anything like that. So we, from a perspective of like how many hours we can give back, you know, we've talked mm-hmm. with a couple of the, the companies that said, we're going to hire, you know, X amount of people in the next year. And I worked it out. Like this is how much time our tool can save you, which is equivalent to two and a half full-time recruiters. Would you be interested and so when I can say I can give you back to FTE for this price, it's unbelievable when people go, oh, wow. But then they still have to see, well, does it work? Well, yes, it does work. And here's the people that have done it before. But you know what? Let's try it with yours, your system too. And that's where it's leaving those those high value individuals to now be the have more time to actually talk with people and do the interview and do the do what humans are best at by letting absolutely. machines do what they're best at. So it is truly that balance of augmenting the overall because there's no way you're removing humans from this experience. No, nope. you're just allowing Never. them to do the things where they can have the most impact. 
we're enhancing Screening a hundred resumes in four hours, like the risk is you grabbed a bad one and the real risk is you lost a good one in that process because a, a, a five seconds of distraction and you'll miss half a resume just in that, in that time frame. And we've oh, all she, done, I've had a stack of, she's an amazing recruiter. So I, yeah, I'm not speaking yeah. ill of her, to be clear. <laughs> but you're right. And, but and that, that feels like an audit, like a function that could be automated where, where the personal interview and getting to know and actually having a conversation, I, I don't, I can't easily go, yeah, well, like, we just plug some tech in there and talk to a robot. That's that you know, we're not there and I don't see us being there anytime soon. But the piece you're doing, that's really exciting to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we've had some pushback on, and I absolutely love Shelly for doing this. So I was on the Recruitment Flex, which is a recruiter podcast, and, and Shelly was asking, you know, well, what about the candidate experience? Are they going to want to do this? This is another online assessment. It literally takes them, you know, for the whole entire thing, 25 minutes to do not only the pre-screen, but the online assessment. So 25 minutes, no resume upload, no nothing like that. It's just, here's your information, sending it straight to the to the hiring manager. So we're ignoring, you know, everything that could have happened from beforehand or how, you know, how great or how poor your resume is. Here's the information about you that we're sending forward. And so it's a quick and easy, but we also give something back to our candidates. We give them back a greatest strengths report because I don't feel that anybody should have to do an assessment and not get anything in return, which is a not lot just your of crickets on the other end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of the assessments that are out there that are currently baked into applicant tracking systems. It's just the information goes to the employer. I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. Candidates mm -hmm. need to have something in return. So in your world, five years from now, 10 years from now, does do people not have resumes anymore? I'd love that. I think that would be amazing. I think that they would have to, you know, five, 10 years, who knows? We might even just have blockchain. I know five, 10 years were way out there. Like it's like scan the chip in my wrist. Like it's a whole, <laughs> yeah, let's, sorry. I, I, I almost went like, five years. We don't even know what's going to happen from a technology perspective with credentialing and credentials, wallets and blockchain and like being able to validate, like there's so in, much interesting work happening in kind of those areas Absolutely. from in terms of like, do you have the skill? Like, do you, did you, did you do that course and did you take that training and the ability to credentials that in a, in a kind of non-fungible way? That's, that, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. There's, you can get into buzzword bingo on this one pretty quick. Totally. <laughs> I think I just got a full card. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that totally, one sentence totally. alone. But I think that there, there, there is opportunity for us to lose that, you know, 20th century technology, which is the resume. So that was created. The resumes were created after we literally got rid of the job boards because we were hiring so many people after, you know, when the baby boom started and we had all of these jobs were hired coming through. It wasn't just like who you knew, where it was going on. We created, you know, this this fast industrial revolution. And we are now, well, not the industrial revolution, but like one of the the next revolutions of no, world no, I, work. I, I, yeah, because you're right. I, yeah. Based on my career, like a resume was just the thing it was. I have no idea where, why it came to be, what problem it solved, and why it maybe is no longer the best suited to solve the current day's realities. <laughs> well, even then, so here's the other scary factor is that there was um, a, a survey done where it was only 11% of jobs that were available in the marketplace were found online. So if you think of how many people are looking for jobs right now and you think of how many jobs are on there, only 11% of them. So how, how do these individuals- That's a crazy get, stat. I've never heard that. That actually, wow. Yeah. So so how do individuals get in front of those 89% math, hard, um, those other- oh, you, you, know, you, you got it. <laughs> okay. 89% of the jobs that are out there. And those are the ones that, oh, my friends, companies, uncles, you know, distributors yep. hiring. So- maybe you could go and find the job that way. And then again, it's it's the back in pre-COVID days, it's the handshake. Who are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, by the way, send me your resume, right? They hire them based on on the the social capital that they've had. Um, and then they hire them based on, you know, hey, you can talk to me well. <laughs> so there's like a whole bunch of things that we we say that we still need resumes, but we really don't. It's interesting. You really don't. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it, it'll die slowly, and then all of a sudden, hopefully. But like, and like anything, it feels like, oh, how could we not do it any other way? And then, like, oh, remember when we used to do that? Remember when we used to use the phone book? Remember when we used to go to the bank? Oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all of those that, things. That, that, that was that was two easy ones to pick on. My my favorite is remember when we had to learn handwriting to like cursive writing to write on checks. Remember writing a check. <laughs> I do remember writing a check. Um, yeah. I, yes, I do. Is that an, are you making? Is that an age nope. joke? Never mind. No. Well, I am all. I am all good. I'm so, not that vintage. <laughs> um, 
two, two, two words of wisdom from you. One to all those recruiters out there that are like trying to fill the burden of the company, just going, we need more, we need more, we need more. Uh, next to using your platform, any word of advice for them or any thoughts of someone? Because you've lived that role. You've lived in the trenches. Yeah, I would say tap the untapped talent pools. So there's a lot of folks that are transitioning from oil and energy into other industries. I think there's great opportunity to have those with uh, project controls, engineering backgrounds to to have them come into our our uh, digital transport transformation world because these those are the types of pragmatic brains that we need right in the organization. Um, so so think beyond the the job description and think beyond the what the candidate brings. Um, we also have a lot of individuals in the um, newcomers to Canada, where you know these individuals had previous careers that were in specific industries, but due to some sort of regulation, their, their, you know, their education credentials aren't as high as they need to be. Well, maybe they take an entry-level position and then work back up into the Canadian credentials that they need to have, mm-hmm. right? So take, take a chance uh, on the hidden talent pools for sure. Um, those that are upskilling, reskilling, new skillings, <laughs> all those yes, wonderful no, things. I, so. I appreciate that. And based on the demand and based on the, 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 the sheer intellectual, like we've, we've got inventory of super smart people that maybe just haven't done the exact thing. And that comes up all the time on the show. And I'm a, I, love that you, I love that you said that because these are smart people with 20 years experience that totally. can check eight out of the 10 boxes and those other two take on the responsibility to help them learn it. They will. They're smart. They figured it out. Like Alberta, Albertans solve, have been solving big problems for a long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Now the real, the real advice, the non-tech tech startup tech leader, sorry, is that right? <laughs> non, 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 non-tech tech leader. What's, what do you advise for that? Because that's uh, that's an interesting world and you're, you're embracing it and, and, and winning. Thank you. I I'd like to think so. Um, for anybody that wants to, to start their own tech, company is that what you're trying to say from yeah who's a non-tech person because i because i like that because i've I've had a lot of people like uh or even friends like i've got this idea but i'm just not a tech i'm not uh, i'm not a tech i'm not a full stack developer so therefore i can't i can't make my idea come alive and and it's oversimplifying but it's out there it's a real thing so the first thing i would say is you're right they can't take their idea to fruition alone so seek support find resources and i think one of the best things about alberta is that we have so many available resources, whether it's advisement, whether it's coaching, whether it's um, networking and and the ecosystem getting involved for for help. Um, A lot of those that have come before you want to help those behind. So those that are leading the way, we are absolutely willing to support because we get it. We've been there. Um, But there's a lot of resources specifically in Alberta that are are targeted towards building up the economy and building up the tech space. And you know what? I can see in maybe two, three years, we're going to be the the tech hub of Canada because we've got the best, you know, what do they call it? It's daily living. Like our, we're always on the top 20 lists in, in Edmonton and Calgary. Yes. You know, so I've got an article that hasn't gone out yet, but why is Calgary the best place to do business? And that's one of them. Like we, we top those lists all the time. All the time. So yeah. we just, you know, it's, it's the rising tide lifts all boats. So when we've got the men's, when we've got the jobbers, when we've got the LTMLs in our ecosystem, building up the Neo financials, you know, like all of these companies are, are, bringing in the the brains and bringing in the consumer dollars and things like that. This is how we drive it forward. So don't be afraid to, to seek out resources for your great idea and, and write it down and, you know, just, just go with it, but do it in a way that you seek out the resources first and the support first to understand if it's something that is truly um, needed and something that can support in, in the world of work Um, platform Calgary, Yeg or Edmonton uh, Startup Edmonton have great like pre-flight programs. You know, come mm-hmm. do a lean canvas. Just start on the side. You don't have to quit your day job to become that startup. You don't founder. have to go all in to be all in on an idea. No, totally. And don't and don't be shy to get it out of your basement and take it for a walk and let people like tell your baby maybe is a little ugly or maybe it's one leg is deformed and change it. Like that sounds aggressive, but I had someone say that like it's okay if someone says your baby's ugly. That's how you learn. I'm like exactly. That's very fair. But there are a lot of startups and you know especially very technically oriented. Like you you, you fall in love with your idea, not necessarily the problem. And mm-hmm. and I think there's lots of opportunity, but it takes it takes some courage to get out there and put your idea out and be willing to be told that like. Oh, Oh, that part over there that you thought was awesome, then not so awesome. But that's at the end of the day, it still comes back to a bunch of humans eh, having a messy experience. Totally. <laughs> and I'd love to see more females in this space too. So oh, I, awesome. I think that there's um, great support 
for for women founders. And I think that you know the Fifty One in Calgary is another. It's a VC. I'm a big fan of what yeah. what they're doing over there. They're doing great work. If you don't know about the Fifty One, go check them out. They're awesome. They're, like, they're amazing. Yeah, the energy that they're just like putting out into the world right now is so good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, yeah. don't be afraid, and don't don't let any of your labels define who you are. Whether it's, I mean, forget labels. Like, let's just move forward. And you know, if you have a great idea, bring it to fruition. That's awesome. Good, solid advice. What is? Well, I'm on your re- I'm on your website. So mm-hmm. go resumefree.com. So blatant. Go check it out. Uh, what if people want to reach out, talk to you? They either want to like, join the team or just get involved. What's the best way to get a hold of you? <laughs> best way to get a hold of me is actually on LinkedIn because that is my vice. I am always on LinkedIn. <laughs> so um, I'm Ali Knull, A L L I E K N U L L. I am the non-photographer Ali Knull. So if you're googling me, there are two of us in the Edmonton area. She is the fantastic photographer and she does amazing work. I am not her. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, I the other one. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was another another version of you, but yeah, yeah okay. I think she's the OG. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn. I'm always accepting um, <laughs> accepting any kind of follows or or um, connection requests. Uh, they can also email me Ali at goresmefree.com, or you can follow my kind of weird Twitter Ali in Edmonton. Again, because Ali can always take it. <laughs> Fantastic. Ellie, I loved our chat. Love your energy. Congratulations on what you're doing. I Thank think you. well, I, as someone who's been in business for years, like it always feels like it's broken. You get it right. You don't get it right. So to have some coming in and kind of finding that niche that's really, you know, important to you, but also where you guys could have the biggest impact, which is going to have a positive impact on both candidates. I love the diversity and inclusion piece and mm-hmm. taking like purposely taking the bias out of being human, which is really tricky to do. Totally. <laughs> so tricky. kudos to you for tackling a bunch of, from the technical issue and the human issue to a bigger, bolder thing that I think is on all of our minds right now. If it's not, it should be. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Let's do it again. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, Ali. <laughs> <laughs>